perfect, all right? I'm sure you heard about the guy that uh, got rescued off of a desert island, deserted island, and uh, they rescued him, and he'd been there living all alone for 30 years, all by himself, 30 years. They rescued him, they got him all, you know, medicined up and fed up and all those things, and then they said to him, you know, we only have one question, and that is when we rescued you, we noticed there were three huts. And, you know, you were there all by yourself, so we don't understand why there were three huts. He said, well, one of them was my house. That was where I lived. The other one was the, my church, uh, where I went to church. And the other one was where I used to go to church. So uh, I guess even, even when you're all by yourself, you have a church split. Well, we're not having a church split. We're just moving buildings, all right? Turn to Jeremiah chapter 18, please. And we're going to begin a two-part series on the potter and the clay. And we're going to talk this week about lessons from the clay. We're going to see what God is saying and what we can learn from the clay. Jeremiah chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible with you, the uh, Scriptures will be on the PowerPoint tonight. You can follow along, but please bring your Bible every week so you can see it in there. Also, in your bulletin, if you're new, if you don't know this, there are notes, sermon notes. And I think it's wonderful for you to take notes not because I'm speaking, but because the Holy Spirit will be speaking tonight. And you want to hear what he says to your heart and write it down. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. He said, I want you to listen. When you go down there, I want you to listen. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. What a phrase. As it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look. Now he tells him, look. Earlier he told him, listen. Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. He told him to do two things. I want you to go down and I want you to listen to what I'm speaking through this and I want you to look. I want you to observe. Observe what I'm going to teach you through the potter and the clay. Another scripture, you can just look at it on the PowerPoint. And go on. Isaiah 64, verse 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you our potter. And all we are the work of your hand. There is no doubt that God is our Father. you agree with that? But there is also no doubt that He is the potter, and that we are the clay. As a matter of fact, when we were created... We were created literally as clay. Your bodies are really just dirt with water added. I hate to inform you of that. But your physical body isn't worth that much. Your physical body was made out of dirt and God added water to it. And then what was wonderful about it is He added the Spirit. That's what we need. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. He formed us out of the dust of the ground. Now that word formed is an interesting word in the Hebrew. Let me show you what it means in the Hebrew. It is the word yetzar, 
And it means the molding through the squeezing into shape to mold into form, especially as a potter. That's what it means in the Hebrew. They use this word referring to potters and clay. That's what they use in Hebrew, this word. And it says he molded us, but I want you to notice this, through the squeezing into shape. Through the squeezing. Now, this is interesting. When God formed man, it uses a Hebrew word that he squeezed. Just reached down and squeezed. It doesn't use that Hebrew word when he talks about forming woman, by the way. He did something different for you, ladies. (laughs) It uses a Hebrew word which means fashion. Now, personally, I'm glad that he fashioned women. I think he did a good job. But he, but you know, when he created Adam, he just squeezed, and there we were. But he took a little time on women and fashioned them, and they look a lot nicer than men. But that's what he did physically. He literally molded clay when he made us. When he created you, he took dirt, he added water to it, and he molded our physical bodies. But I have a question for you. Do you think he's molding the inward man in us tonight? Do you think he's doing something on the inside? Clay, I believe, refers to character. And God right now is molding me. He's molding my character into the character of Christ. But you know, it's interesting when I saw that word squeezed, sometimes the molding process feels a little like the squeezing process. You know what I'm saying? You ever feel like God is kind of just squeezing you? Or do you ever feel like God is moving you in a direction and it's like he's a one of the, a big guy and you're standing there and he kind of keeps just, you know, just moving you and you kind of, you know, I don't really want to go, Lord, over that way, but, you know, and he just kind of, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And he just kind of does it. Well, that's the same way he's doing with our character. He's just squeezing here, squeezing there, squeezing. God told Jeremiah, I want you to look and listen. Because you're going to learn something from the potter and the clay. That's what I want us to do for the next two weeks. So tonight we're going to talk about lessons from the clay. And I want to give you six observations about the clay. Number one, it can only be molded by water. Number one, it can only be molded by water. No other chemical can mold clay better than water. Nothing else. God designed it that way. He made it very simple. Gasoline will not mold clay better than water. Bluebell will not mold clay. It will mold this clay. (laughs) But it won't mold our character better than water. And what is water? Water is the Word. But listen to me. We have to understand this message is going to be very simple but very profound. Clay can only be molded, only, 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 by water. If you go to lunch with someone and they share something with you that helps you be more like Christ, what they shared was based on the Word of God. You might not have been reading your Bible, but whatever they shared that made you more like Christ was water. It was the Word of God. That's the only thing that molds us. And why is it so important? God is molding us because He's making a vessel of honor. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Now, we don't want to be vessels of dishonor, do we? We want to be vessels of honor, right? 
All right, look at the next verse. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, from dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. God is molding us, preparing us, sanctifying us for the master's use. Every one of us want to be a vessel fit for the master's use. But the first thing we've got to understand, the only thing that molds our character is the Word of God. That's it. God's Word. And Satan will do everything possible to get us busy reading, studying, watching, getting involved in everything that he can get us involved in except the Word of God. Everything. It is his Word that molds us. And the molding process takes time. It doesn't just immediately happen. No lump of clay immediately changes into a vessel of honor. Now, we get saved immediately. Salvation, immediate. God saves us just like that. But the molding takes time. It takes time. If you see a Christian that you admire, you are looking at a piece of clay that's had a lot of water and a lot of molding. Do you hear that? If you look at someone, you say, well, I really admire the Christ that I see in that person. You're looking at a piece of clay. That's all a piece of clay that's had a lot of water and a lot of molding because God has worked on them. If you see attitudes in you that are not Christ-like and you want to be molded into his character, you have to remember point one. Clay is only molded by water. This is what changes me, right here, God's Word. Number two, it has to be separated before molding. It has to be separated before you can mold it. Can you imagine going into a beautiful home, nice home, and all of a sudden on this nice marble or granite table or cherry wood table or something, you see this vase, and the vase has dirt and rocks and weeds sticking out of it. In other words, whoever made it didn't pull all the stuff out before. They just molded it in this beautiful vase, but they left all the junk in it. No one would do that, right? Why? Because it has to be separated. Now, many uh, pastors kind of take the principle of separation and preach their own convictions. For instance, they'll, they'll talk about cards. You know, you shouldn't play cards because that will produce sin in you, and you shouldn't go bowling. Don't, don't go bowling. And, and I grew up where, uh, you know, a, a dancing foot and a praying knee don't belong on the same leg. That's what they told us. Um, so they were, that, that, that's what they, we talk so many times about the outward things when we talk about separation, but listen to me. I think it refers much deeper than that. What about God trying to separate pride and selfishness and fear and anger, and bitterness, and worry out of our lives. See, Jesus, so the, the Pharisees always were trying to clean the outside of the dish. Jesus said, you guys are always trying to clean the outside of the cup, but it's the inside of the cup that needs to be clean. It's not what goes into a man that defiles a man. It's what comes out of the man. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's what's in a man's heart. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to work on the inside is what God's saying. And so there's a separation God's trying to do on the inside. Now, God does a separate in your life for two reasons. Number one, 
He's pulling everything out of us that doesn't look like the vessel he's molding us into. And number two, he's pulling everything out of us that if he leaves in us will cause a weakness later on. Hear me. If you left a big rock in a vase, clay does not adhere as well to rock as it does to clay. So if you leave rocks in the vase and you leave grass and you leave all this stuff in there and you don't pull it out in the natural, that piece of clay, that vessel has a weakness. It has a crack in it. And it'll break much easier. See, God, when He's trying to pull something out of my character, it's not because He's upset with me. It's because He knows if I don't get that out of Him, then it will be very easy for Him to be broken later on, to crack and not be able to be... And listen, once the vessel is cracked, you can't fill it up and pour it out anymore until it's remade. It can be remade. I'm not saying if you fall and you can't be used, but I'm telling you when you do fall, you can't be used at that point. God cannot pour into you and fill out. You can be remade. But God is trying to get these things out of our lives. Now I want to make a statement about pride because I really want you to understand something about pride. Prideful people fall. I know this sounds just very simple, but listen to me. In the 80s, when we saw many ministers, well-known ministers, fall sexually, let me tell you how they fell before they ever fell sexually. They fell in pride. And what blows me away is the body of Christ was continue to watch them before they ever fell and never recognized the pride they were watching every week. They'd get on TV and say, we're the biggest and we're the best. Well, fill in the blank. Blank goes before a fall. Anyone fill it in? Pride. If you allow pride to stay in your life, you will fall. You may not fall immorally, but you will fall. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know what that says? Therefore let him who's prideful, <laughs> who thinks he can stand on his own and doesn't need God's help every day. You better let that man think about it because he's going to fall. See, so God is not just pulling stuff out of us like bowling and things like that. He's pulling things out of us that don't look like the vessel he's making, but also that would cause weaknesses in us. Because, listen, God wants to use every one of you. You realize that? Every one of you, God wants to use you as a vessel. A vessel. There are people that you can minister to that I cannot minister to. I will never minister to them, but you will. They're in your path. God put them there. You have their respect. You have their time. And I don't. But you do. But you'll never be able to minister to them if you don't allow God to pull things out. Because otherwise, the more you minister, the more you put water in, the more pressure, the more you put in that vessel and pour it out and use it, the more it's used, the more it needs strength. So it has to be separated before molding. By the way, the model is Jesus. In other words, you've got to understand, there, here's, a, here's a potter's wheel. It's going around and around. Here's the potter. He's molding the vessel. But right here is Jesus. Okay? And this is what God's doing. You know? And sometimes He says, 
I just have to start all over this thing. Don't look anything at all like Jesus. You ever, you ever had God do that to you? Whack, 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 whack. <laughs> See, you got to remember, He's molding. But here's Jesus right here. That's what He's trying to mold us into that image. Here's the um, third thing. It comes in different sizes, shapes, and colors. Clay comes in different sizes, shapes, and colors. Now, physically, this is true. Physically, again, this your physical body is just clay. And you go all over the world and there's different sizes or different shapes, there's different colors, there's different backgrounds, but it's just clay. It's just the outward. But in the same way, on the inside, it, there's different sizes, different shapes, different colors. We have different realms of influence. We have different giftings. We have different talents. We have different ministries. But God is doing something. We're not all alike. We, we don't all work in the same place. We don't all have the same hobbies. We don't all have the same likes or dislikes. We, we, we don't all uh, eat the same. We don't all uh, uh, go to other places. But here's the key. Stop judging other pots. You know why? You're not the potter. Can you imagine going into a potter's house and being able to hear the, the pots talking? Can you imagine going into a potter's house and hear the, the, the tall, skinny pots talking about the short, fat pots? Or, or hear the painted, pretty pots talking about the ordinary kitchen pots? Just talking. Just, you know, just and looking at each other. Listen, we do this. We compare ourselves to pots that we think are up above us, and we compare ourselves to pots that we think are below us. What do you think the one who made the pots, each for a purpose, would think if he heard them talking? In the natural now, you got all these pots. What do you think the potter thinks when, when this vase, this one that was made to be a vase in a pretty living room, is talking about the one that was made to have water in the kitchen, talking about that pot? And the potter knows what he made that pot for. Well, I said, what do you think the potter would think who made them, each for a purpose, if he could hear them talking? Guess what? The potter can. <laughs> he can hear you talking about other pots. And let me explain something to you. I don't know why God keeps wanting me to go back to pride, but it's pride for a pot that's not even finished yet to talk about another pot. As a matter of fact, the very fact that you would talk about another pot implies that you think you are finished. Well, y'all are just quiet tonight. Is that right? The very fact that I talk about another pot implies I think I'm finished or I think I'm better than that pot. How many times do you even have to say to your children, you ever had your, you know, a child correct another child? I'm not talking about like a 17-year-old a, a with an 8-year-old that you left in charge. I'm talking about 8 and 10 together or something. And, they, and what do you do? You say, you're not the daddy. I'll take care of him or her. You don't need to. How many times do you think God wants to say to us, you are not the daddy. You are not the potter. I know what I'm doing, and I know how that clay started, and I know how far that clay's come. You keep your mouth off that clay. I know what I'm doing in that clay's life. 
The plan of the enemy is to get us looking around, judging people. We have different convictions. Some homeschool. It's a conviction. God has spoken it to them. But others, God has spoken private school. Or even public school. Or God has spoken to some uh, about what they eat or what they don't eat. Or God has spoken to some um, that have conviction in different areas. For instance, home birth. Some have a conviction home birth. I, I think Debbie and I, one of our children was born at home. And we tell everyone, God spoke it and don't do it if He doesn't speak it. We are not God's policemen. Here's the fourth thing about clay. It has no input to its outcome. I want you to think about this. <laughs> it has no input to its outcome. Let me show you two more verses. Isaiah 29:16 says, Surely you have things turned around. And I like that statement. God is saying, I can't believe you're trying to tell me what to do. <laughs> That's what he's saying in this verse. Surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? In other words, am I on the same level with you? For shall the thing made say of him who made it, he did not make me? Or shall the form, thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding? He doesn't know what he's doing. Here's another one. Isaiah 6, uh, 45, verse 9. Woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the potsherd, or the potsherd's kind of an old word, let's just say pots. Let the pots strive with the pots of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, he has no hands? Shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Now, come on, let's go back to the potter's house, all right? See the potter's house in your mind? You walk into the potter's house, and there's a piece of clay going around on that little wheel, you know, and the potter's molding him, and that clay looks up at the potter and says, what are you making? <laughs> oh, here, here's a good one. I know a better way. <laughs> That's what it's like. We try to tell God what to do. We try to tell God, God, I know a better way. I know something else. Stop telling God what's best for your life. Here's a good one. Another pot sitting over here. This Here's the pot going around and around, you know, like this. And this pot is married to that pot. God, I'd like for you to take that off right there, and I'd like for you to change that over there. Squeeze them a little right there. And, and can you just see the potter? You're clay. Why are you talking to me about how to, how to form this one or how to form Are, are you all following me? We are clay. And yet we tell the potter, here's the revelation. God is smarter. I know. I know that we all say we believe that, but we don't live it. God is smarter than you. The potter is smarter than the pot. Maybe we should write it that way. The potter is smarter than the pot. Now, when I say it has no input to its outcome, I don't mean that we don't have to yield to Him. I don't mean that we can just do whatever we want and we'll turn out to be a vessel of honor. No, I don't mean that at all. What I mean is stop resisting 
what the potter is trying to do in your life and stop telling him you know a better way. I used to um, say when I was at the Shady Grove church where I was, I used to say, I'll be here for the rest of my life. I made that statement. Now, I made it in integrity because so many pastors and associate pastors all just kind of move around, move around, move around. And we didn't have that mentality there. We had the mentality, we are committed for life to where God calls us. But even now, as I look back on that statement, it wasn't even a biblical statement. Because the Bible says, don't say what you're going to do tomorrow. You say, if the Lord wills. You know why? Because he's the potter. And I want to tell you something. I was on the wheel. I'm still on the wheel. But I was on the wheel over there for 16 years, and God was preparing me for this area right here. And I didn't even know it. So we don't need to tell the potter what we want to do. He'll take care of it. Number five, it has to go through the fire. That's not good, is it? Clay has to go through the fire. Can you imagine someone bringing you a glass or a cup, a clay cup of water? You say, you come in from this 100 degree heat, they can have a, gla- a cup of water, a glass of water. They say, yeah, and they get a, a clay cup, but it's not gone through the fire yet. You know, it's still real soft, and, there's, and they pour the water in there, and what happens when you put the water next to the clay? It's just all muddy and all, and they say, here you go. Ooh, watch, it's dripping there some, you know. You don't want to drink out of that cup, do you? No. You want a cup that's purified. You want a cup that's been in the fire and that's gone through a purification process. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 is one of the funniest verses in the Bible to me. Beloved, don't think it a strange thing concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Now, you know why I like that verse? Because that's the way we are. We get a flat tire, and we oh, man, I wonder what happened. I wonder what it'd be in a sin against God, you know. And we, it's just a tire, just flat tire. Something, and and any time we go through a fiery trial, we lose a job, or we get a little sick, or one of the kids gets sick, or something happens, we're just surprised. We're shocked. We're Christians. Nothing bad should ever happen to us. <gasps> you know, and that's what this verse is saying. Don't Don't get so weirded out over going through a fiery trial as though some strange thing has happened to you. God has a purification process. It's kind of like how they purify gold. Maybe you've heard this. Put gold in the big pot and they turn the fire up underneath it. And as they turn the fire up, all of the impurities in the gold come to the top. And so a guy just takes a big thing and he just scrapes them off. Now you just think about how many times this has happened in your life. God turns the fire up in your life a little bit, and this stuff comes out of you that you didn't think was in there. You didn't think you'd respond that way. I just can't even believe it. You're almost ashamed of the way you respond. And all this stuff comes up, and then God just scrapes it off. And this is what we do. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for getting that stuff out of my life. But then this is what God does. He starts reaching back down to turn the fire back. And we go, wait, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm turning the fire back. No, I already got the impurities out. No, there are more, trust me. (laughs) Let me just turn the fire up a little bit more. And God just continues to turn it up and turn it up and turn it up. But listen to me. We go from the fire, we go from the wheel to the fire and back to the wheel. This is different from clay in the natural. 
We go from the wheel to the fire, back to the wheel, to the fire, back to the wheel. I, I'm really encouraging, you know I, know, I know tonight, but the Christian life is the wheel, the fire, the wheel, the fire, the wheel, the fire. You're, you're one or the other. You're either in the fire right now or you're on the wheel right now. And when you finish the fire, you'll go back to the wheel. And the reason is the last point. Number six says it has a breaking point if it dries out. Yes, we have to go through the fire, but we also have to stay pliable. And clay has a breaking point if it dries out. If clay gets dry, it breaks easily. If it gets away from water, it's going to break. When you feel that you're getting hard, callous, or just about to break, it's because you've been out of the water too long. And I want to tell you something about water. We talked about it can only be molded by water. But I want to take water just a little bit farther. Water is God's Word. But listen to me. It's, God's Word is not just the Bible. Listen. Now, he'll never say anything that contradicts this book, but we don't have a mute God. God still speaks. We don't serve a wooden idol that has a mouth that can't speak and hands that can't touch and ears that can't hear and eyes that can't see. We serve a living God. And God can give you His Word in your car on the way to work. He can give you, your word when you His Word when you first wake up in the morning. He can give you His Word in your quiet time. He can give you His Word during the worship service. So when I say it's because we've been out of the Word too long, listen to me, let me say it another way so we can catch a different perspective. It may be because we've been out of His presence too long. Because in His presence He speaks. Tonight, some people... We, you know, the Lord spoke some specific words to some people. You know what our prayer is as a staff, as a leadership here? That He speaks to every person every week. You should come with that, with that mindset. I am here, as we say tonight, to meet with you. If no one else meets with you, God, I'm going to meet with you. And I'm going to tell you what, Satan will do everything he can to keep you meeting from God. He will bring business appointments you have next week and appointments you have you had last week and he'll bring a detail you forgot and you'll be standing there with your hands up like this and the thought comes in your mind, did I leave the iron on? And, and there you go, thinking about that. And you are here to meet with God. As a matter of fact, you know, I come sometimes focused on the message. And the Lord spoke to me one night and said, for the next 30 minutes, this was at 7 o'clock, he said, for the next 30 minutes, you're not here to preach, you're here to worship. It's time to preach, I'll take care of that. For the next 30 minutes, you're a Christian, and you come meet with me. And you set your heart, and you set your focus, and you set your mind to come into my presence. Because clay has a breaking point if it dries out. Now, with me, when I get dry, physically, spiritually, emotionally, you can get dry emotionally, too. You know, you can get dry physically. You can get tired physically. When I do that, for me, I can't make decisions. I, I'm a decision maker. You know, you can call me and you can say, we need to do this or this or this. Well, what do you, what do you think? Tell me this, this. Tell me the option. Okay, buy that one. And it's just that easy. But when I get run down, weary, emotionally dried out, Debbie will say to me, well, what do you think? And I say, well, what do you think? And she'll say, well, uh, we could do this or, or we could do this. And I say, well, I don't know. What do you think? And she'll say, well, if we do this, it's this much, and this is what it's going to take, and this is it. If we do this, it's this much, and we do this. Now, what do you want to do? I don't know. 
And she'll say, you, you know, and I, and, well, well, just tell me. And then I'm like, I don't know. Just, you know. And here's what she, her reply is, you need a vacation. <laughs> because when Robert Morris can't make a decision, he needs a vacation. Because that's what I do. I can make decisions. There is something that is a check for you. And when that happens, if you start blowing up at the kids, if you start getting upset at work, if you start getting stressed out when you're in the car and the kids are in the back seat and they're talking and you just, you just can't handle it, it may be because you're getting dry. And you need to be refreshed physically, spiritually, emotionally. What lessons do we learn from the play? Well, God's in control. That's a good one. That he has a plan and it's a good one and it's a better one. The reason I say better is because it's better than the one I've got. That he's working in our lives even if we don't know it. Don't let Satan lie to you that God doesn't have your best interests at heart. That he's not a good potter. He's not only a good father, he's a good potter. And he is molding something. I look back at some of the things I've gone through and I think, God, I, I'm grateful that I went through those because of the person that it made me into, the vessel it made me into. Debbie and I were having um, dinner with a missionary and his wife to Mexico this past week. And about five months ago, they had a car wreck. He, his wife, and his two children, boy and girl. After the car wreck, his, he's, he can't move his left arm, but he's trying to take care of his family. He's trying to check on his wife. They were going about 65 miles an hour down the freeway, uh, a car came, swerving out of control, hit them. They went into the concrete wall. And uh, his, he's trying to check on his children. His, his son can't breathe. Can't breathe. His daughter's leg was broken. I hate to be real graphic, but it was broken completely in two like this, separated, and then the muscles contracted and pulled the bones like this. So they were beside each other, you know, like this. So she's screaming. His son can't breathe. He's trying to check on his wife. They go to the hospital. His wife ends up to be okay other than bruises. He's in a hospital room. His son's in a hospital room. His daughter's in a hospital room. His wife, for several days, are just going from hospital room to hospital room, three different hospital rooms to see her children. This is what he said to me, though. This was Thursday night. I'm so grateful that we went through that because of the character that it built in me. He didn't even know what I was preaching on this weekend. I'm so grateful, he said. And he was, he was sincere. He said, I'm grateful that it happened. It happened on their way back from Mexico, back up here, and it happened down by Waco. He said, I'm so grateful that it happened here in the States. Because in Mexico, we could have been there five hours before the ambulance came. He said the ambulance, the police were there in four minutes, the ambulance was there in seven minutes. That's, that's America, see? I'm so grateful. Now listen, God didn't cause the car accident. But because of the way he responded to it, God just molded him a little more like Jesus. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.